So, folks, today um, my guest is uh, Harry Wright, and um, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about the business aspect of medicine. I think this is something we do a poor job uh, teaching each other, and um, we have a lot of people who have been in the trenches and have learned lessons. and And I, you know, compared to a lot of people, I've spent a lot of time and energy trying to understand uh, business. And I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about uh, physicians. And one of them is that, you know, there are so many consultants out there. And and quite frankly, I'm not here to, you know, disparage consultants, but I've had some really shitty advice over the years. And so it's important that we band together and learn from each other. Um, No one really is going to have our back like each other. So my my guest today is Harry Wright, um, who's been out for, what did you say, six years, Harry? Yeah, six, seven years. Six, Six, seven years he's been in practice. Um, and there's, so my question for him, you know, really, and this is really going to be the kind of the, the title of the podcast is, you know, how to grow your practice as a young physician and how to join with another, uh, another, um, uh, plastic surgeon, facial plastic surgeon and be successful. And, and, you know, this is something we've worked really hard on here to, to build our succession, um, I have to tell you, uh, you know, it sounds like Harry's got a good situation. We're going to hear from him, but most of us do a really lousy job with this. And and I have, I can tell you, you know, good, dear friends of mine, they've been through three, four, five junior associates, never making them, you know, equity partner and all that sort of thing. So um, I want to hear from Harry first. Tell me, tell me your story, Harry, you know, where, where'd you grow up and how'd you end up doing what you, you know, and, 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 and sure. where you're, where you're at now. Yes, and uh, I do want to thank you um, Ed, for, for having me on the podcast. It's a, a delight to talk to you this evening. So uh, my story is a bit non-traditional. Um, you know, I, I say to myself often, you know, I'm blessed to live in a time and a place where you can make uh, many, many mistakes in your early life, dig a deep hole for yourself, and still manage to uh, sort of make, make something of yourself. Um, I was... I was not a, a fantastic student in high school, uh, and uh, me and you both. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I was not very focused. I, you know, I, 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 I got good grades, good enough to play sports, and that is as far as my vision uh, was. My uh, my older brother uh, was a valedictorian, presidential uh, scholarship, double major, computer science and mathematics. You know, so my, my I think my parents were satisfied. With the, you know, in that they could, uh, you know, we have one son who's academically proficient. Well, was not unintelligent. Uh, and that was one of the, uh, critis- you know, one of the critiques that I would get frequently is we know that you can do better. Um, I was content to sort of, uh, just, uh, skate by. And, um, uh, and, and when it came time to graduate from high school and go, go to college, perhaps I didn't know what I wanted to study, um, because I hadn't been, uh, because I really hadn't been thoughtful about that. I, uh, I, I'd always been pragmatic though. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't want to go to college just to kind of, you know, find myself there because, you know, it costs money. As again, it costs, I thought it costs a lot then. It's a, it's a, a, a fraction of what it costs now. Um, but I didn't go straight to college. And so I, I took three years and I farmed, um, in rural Virginia. And that is, uh, I do remember this story. You're telling me, I think we were standing at Starbucks. You told me the story. That's that's right. That's right. Uh, and, 
and I don't begrudge those years. Uh, that's that's a tough. Jo- I'll still I'll say it to this day that that's the toughest job I've ever had because um, you know sixteen hours a day, and you're um, you know like, it's not a bad job for an eighteen year old kid, you know. But you know I could pretty quickly I could see well this is going to get nowhere, and then the, the fifty year old guys in the field were looking at me saying, "Kid, what are you doing? Get out of here." And uh, so after a couple of well, years, one thing about uh, farming, though, you know, one thing about farming is it teaches you how to work. I, you know, I spent right, ten years on right, a dairy you, farm. You, you, know? did, you did some yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, ten years on yeah. a dairy farm. So I learned how That's to work. Right. Yeah. So uh, so it does. It will give you a work ethic if you don't have one. You know, and if you're inclined to leave that life behind, you'll you'll figure out fast how to um, kind of move beyond that. So uh, after a couple of years, I, I decided that I was uh, interested in, in business of all things. I was going to uh, help my father who had uh, always been in the construction business um, on the, the operations side, but had never had no experience running a business. He was interested in perhaps purchasing a business. I thought, well, dad, you don't know, you don't know the first thing about business. I'll need to help you. And that was the pretense under which I went to under what uh, under which I went to college and, uh, uh, you know, business classes were, were fine, uh, but I liked uh, physics better. I liked biology better. Uh, I was playing football. I sustained a, a, an injury uh, that required me to see a doctor who does like what we do. Uh, and that was the first time I interacted with a, a doctor like that. Um, you know, where, where, where I grew up, you didn't go to see doctors unless you had an angular deformity. You, mm-hmm. you just didn't, you know, it's just not something that, that kids where I grew up aspired to be. Uh, but I, but I met this, uh, uh, he's a, he was a, uh, a maxillofacial surgeon actually, uh, repaired the fracture in my face and I said, Hey, uh, you, do you mind if I watch what you do? You know, because it seems sort of, I'd always been an artistic person. It seems sort of artistic and, you know, sort of, um, I like to fix things. You know, I could, I could probably still fix a, a irrigation pump mm-hmm. even today. But, um, um, so I shadowed him a couple of times and, and, and decided that at that time, uh, that I was going to totally alter my, 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 uh, my course and that I was going to become, that I was going to try and become, uh, a doctor, um, which required, you know, when I told my advisor this, he said, look, you need to change a lot of stuff about how you do it. You need to change everything now because they, you know, they don't just let anybody be a doctor. And so that's what I did. I, I uh, you know, from that point on, uh, nothing but straight A's, uh, and did all so where'd the you do your residency, do. uh, Harry? So I ended up at, in uh, at Vanderbilt in yeah. Nashville, fantastic place. And if, and if you've ever been there, so the the campus is a National Arboretum, so it's a gorgeous, yeah. it's also a gorgeous uh, place. And I just I can't say enough good things about uh, about the residency program at, at Vanderbilt. The, the breadth of of cases, the the, um, the the depth, the level of experience and depth of experience of our of our mentors were just is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it was in uh, yeah. So we spent uh, 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 five years in in Nashville, and uh, you know you know how we do. I took my wife to Nashville and yeah. made her fall in love with Nashville, and then I said, okay, well now we have to leave Nashville. Oh yeah. So from there, uh, it was during residency uh that i've decided that uh you know i thought i want to i want to sub-specialize i want to be the terminal you know 
a specialist for something. And it was down to neurotology or facial plastics for me. I decided on facial plastic surgery and um, did my uh, did my fellowship in Tampa with Ed Ferrier. And then uh, moved about another hour south uh, after after fellowship yeah. and uh you know so i guess kind of steadily moving south i guess yeah. i guess i'll have to open a clinic in cuba there you next. go so, I don't know if they <laughs> so the the burning question that, that i hear from people going out is no you you joined an existing practice right that's right that's so, right so tell me tell me about that and you know um and if, if I'm, I'm being too nosy tell me to you know butt out but Tell me about, and I'm not going to get real, real specific, but but there are some important things that, that, that people want to hear. So you joined an existing practice. Um, tell me about that practice, because I got to tell you, I've seen what you've done with that practice, and I'm impressed. But um, but tell me what it was like, and and why you chose to do that versus go out on your own. Why you chose to do that versus uh, you know join a, a big ET group, uh, a multi specialty group. I mean, there are some advantages to multi specialty groups because you got kind of a, a you know a feed, and most of them because they get facility fees, they've got they've got a really nice salary. So, so tell me about your your you know joining somebody else and, and why you made that decision. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for those kind words. So in, in the uh, at the last half of my fellowship, when we all start to focus um, pretty intently on what it is we're going to do, um, I was um, I had interviewed at several academic programs. Um, I was uh, considering. Uh, I had interviewed at a couple of, uh, of private practices nearby. Um, these were solo practitioners. These were multi-specialty, not not multi-specialty, but um, um, multi-partner DMT uh, groups, for example. Uh, and um, and I had also uh, was considering, you know, what we all have to consider if it comes to that. It's somewhat daunting, but, you know, if I have to open my own practice, I have to open my own practice. And, and, and in, in February of, of that year, uh, before we finished up, I, I was I, I had decided, you know, if I'm gonna have a practice, I'm gonna go back to Nashville. I liked it there. Um, the kids seemed to enjoy going up there. My wife liked it there, so uh, I actually drove back to Nashville to look at medical office real estate and talk to folks about opening an office. It's a great, it's and a great it's a, town. Right? It is, but uh, it's it, it's re- it's it's similar here. You know, if if that is what you're going to do, and I wouldn't dissuade anybody from that. Um, but it is uh, daunting in that just to get the doors open, and you, you know this more than anybody. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to open the doors is going to be way over a million dollars, and that's after mm-hmm. you you know you, you've done medical school, you've done you know and a year or so, uh, a year fellowship salary. Right. So it's a uh, you know that that wasn't something that I was excited about doing, but that that said, it was something I was prepared to do if I had mm-hmm. to, and it was around that time that I met my current business partner. Uh, his name is. Uh, Dr. Bob Hillstrom, he's been here in Sarasota for about, let's see, at that time, he'd been here for about 20 years. And similar to your experience, he had had a couple of associates before me um, because he had he'd been deliberate about, you know, there's going to come a time when, you know, I need to, you know, this is his retirement plan, right? So uh, he had a couple of associates, didn't, just didn't work out. You know, we facial plastic surgeons by and large are, are pretty nice guys and the girls were, were pretty chill. Uh, but we don't always work well together. That's why not do you think, why do you so. think that is? Well, uh, 
it's often boils down to philosophy. Um, you know, just because you share um, the, just because you share the, the uh, excitement and uh, and, spe- and of, of a discipline, you know that you know we all love facial plastic surgery. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, when you go into business together, you're going to have the same philosophy about how to run a business. And if that's the case, then you're not going to be compatible. And it has nothing to do with your uh, with your personalities, but it, uh, it's, it's never gonna, it's never gonna work. And, um, and that's what happened with his prior associates that, you know, we can, you could be, uh, you could be a fantastic surgeon. You, you know, you could, you could be a lights out facial plastic surgeon and you can still run a practice right into the ground. It, it, it just don't, it, one does not necessarily beget the other. No, I mean, you know, there's, so, there's a, you know, I, I think that's really a really important, um, you know, the whole build and, and you uh, build and they will come is not a strategy. And, you know, I, I 2008 was littered with with colleagues of ours who went belly up um, and uh, and even now is littered, you know, in time before this is littered with, uh, you know, practices where they hit a glass ceiling and they're not really profiting at all. They're just. They've created a job for themselves. But do you, would you agree if you're going to run a successful business, it has to be very deliberate and you have to work on it. It doesn't just. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, there's a, there are, uh, you know, they're, they're um, constant gardeners and it is a, a garden that requires constant tending. It's a, it's the sort of thing, you know, it, it, it has, you wear two hats at all times. And sometimes I'll, I'll just, I, I'll just imagine myself, I, I take my doctor hat off and now I'm putting, you know, now I'm not Dr. Wright. Now I'm Harry Wright, the businessman, and you have to put a different hat on. So how do you do, how do, you do that? Because I'm going to tell you how I do it. So how do you do that? Because people are going to come to you, people me, come to you all day long, done. right? I'm sorry, say that again? Well, people come to you all day long with issues, you know, and, and problems. Right. And uh, so how do you do that? Yeah, for me, it's it is not a natural thing, and I and uh, you know I uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk on your podcast. This is not something that came to me naturally; it's something that I had to to learn. Fortunately, I had I had a fantastic mentor because when I when I came uh, to practice here, uh, the uh, it, it really was the beginning. Yeah, I, I like to refer to it as it's, it was the beginning of my second fellowship in how to run a business. And I happen to have a, an excellent mentor to do that because you know, it's not. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're fortunate. Yeah, I am. I, 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 <laughs> that, that I do recognize um, that. Uh, and I wish it could be the case for everyone um, because it's not the sort of thing that there is any intentionality about during our training. You know, we, we all, um, you know, we, we're, we are armed with the, with the, uh, the sort of ammunition that we need to go out into practice and to, uh, you know, can you, can you do a septorhinoplasty? Can you do a brow lift? Can you do a facelift? Can you do all those things safely? Um, but if you don't know how to run a business, you're going to end up closing the doors. And, uh, so, you know, that's one of the, so I said there, there are several reasons why it doesn't work. One, you can have a senior partner who's a terrible business person. You can have a junior partner who's a terrible business person and, you know, expects and wants and doesn't understand 
you know, having the intestinal fortitude to say no and take care of the, you know, what I say, if you don't take care of the business, it'll take, it won't take care of you. And then you've got egos, you know, so, and it's hard for, if you think about the people who make it in our specialty, right? Um, they're, they're not people to sit or they're going to sit around. I mean, they're people that are getting shit done. So, you know, and, and, right. and they, they, they learn, you know, kind of self-fulfilling prophecy and a positive feedback loop that what got me here, meaning my ego and being independent and pushing forward is going to get me here from here to there in business. And that's not the case at all. As you know, uh, you know, they, right. they be lax in humility. Um, but I think I, the most important yeah. question that when when it comes to considering whether or not somebody's going to be a, a good partner is uh, it's a bit esoteric, but does this person have my back? Yeah. And uh, you know that's a hard thing to define. And who can say exactly when you know the answer to that question? But I it's can good, say that it's there good, was actually, a, it's a really it's a really good point. I, I, right. There was a point in time where I knew that my business partner had my back and he knew I had his. Yeah. And that's why we've, we've been successful. And, um, in learning how to identify that, I think it goes for practice managers as well. If, yeah. I mean, if this person, like when you go to hire a practice manager, is this person going to ha- have your back? That's one of the most important questions you could ask. So I'll tell you from a senior person, you know what I asked myself? Was I, you know, tell if me. I'm being, you know, if I'm doing it correctly, you know, is this, this is, this is somebody's son, you know, um, am I taking care of, am I mentoring him like I would my kid? Right. You know, cause you have to, you have to be willing to give, to give and, and not to just worry about your own needs at that point. Um, so when you first joined him, cause I, again, I mentor a lot of people leaving practice, going out into practice, um, where, and I don't need numbers, but you know, where you, were you guaranteed a salary? Did you have a non-compete? Um, you know, where there was, was there a performance piece? These are the kind of how many years to partnership, um, how, right. you know, those kind of things. Now, I think one of the, the most important things for anybody considering this is that you know the answers to those questions and they should not be, um, it, it should be clear. And, 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 and your potential associate or partner should want to, should want you to know the answers to those questions and you should know what the track is to partnership. Is there a track to partnership? The books to the practice have to be open to you. Yep. All of that has Absolutely. to be. And if you don't, and if those things don't happen, it's a massive red flag. Yep. It's just a, a huge red flag because it gets back to, gosh, if this person will not, you know, if, if this potential partner isn't letting me know that information and isn't uh, telling me what, I need to know to make this decision. Well, maybe they don't have my back. And uh, my current associate, I just hired another facial plastic surgeon at the beginning of the year. Um, so we actually had three full-time facial plastics uh, in, in this pra- practice. Awesome. Um, she was available uh, to come work here because um, the practice where she had been did not offer her a fellowship. I'm sorry, a, a, a partnership track. And so she therefore turned the contract down. She had the, and that's, and she and I work very well together as well because she's very intuitive about business. She said, um, how can I possibly make this a successful career long term if, if there's no 
it's, if it's not spelled out how I become a partner. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a hard thing to do for some to turn, because she was fresh well, out of, uh, I, I'll tell you, it's a, a hard, to turn out a job is a hard thing yeah. to do. No, it is, but, but I, gotta, I gotta tell you, it's an absolutely massive red flag. And so what I tell people is that, and I'll tell you why I think it happens. What I tell people is this, um, you know, you, not only the path to partnership needs to be very clear, the entire thing needs to be very well thought out, um, something that can be presented. You need to open the books. You know, when someone comes on, you know, you need to be able to say, here's how we do it. And then after, you know, initially they're they're an employee, but you need to be able to explain to them how it is you become a partner, what that looks like. And it everything right down to the operating agreement has to be done because where I see failures, when maybe someone is one, just, just not, they're a little disingenuous, you know, uh, or which I, I like to believe that's not the case. Or two, just uh, errors in omission, meaning they just, they're too busy. I'm too busy to get that together. And we're going to talk about it in a year or two. And, and, and then yeah. I'll be able to tell you. And it's, it's not, you know, there isn't the transparency that needs to be. And, and to me, it's a total red flag. And I wouldn't even consider moving forward like your partner, who is smart enough right. not to. Right. Without not, only is it, not only is it time consuming, it involves lawyers. So it involves money. And yep. it's all, you know, none yep. of it is, uh, is sexy or fun, but it's got to be done. Well, and, and I'll tell you, there's another reason why it's got to be done. Because even if it's with good intention, at the end of a year or two years, when, you know, you're trying to bring that person, you want to bring them, you know, on, that is not the time to have a contentious discussion. And that is where, that is where resentment builds up. Um, and, you know, we're busy and all of a sudden another month goes by. Right? right well, right. let's talk. But today's not a good day because we're both busy. Right. And that, that, that answer, we're both busy. Um, is one of the toughest things that we stru- that we in our practice struggle with every day because you know this, the the surgeons uh, in the practice are ships in the night you know we have mirror schedules because we need that for to make you know to to make our uh, 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 so we don't overwhelm the office you know people operating off site while the other surgeons in the office right. you know it's just it makes it maximizes uh, staff efficiency. Um, but then how are we going to get all together in the same room? You have to be intentional about it. So and, you know, um, that brings up another good point. I mean, I, I really believe too, another reason that so many of us have a tough time with this is physicians view and value ourselves by the number of cases and the hours that we're in the operating room or injecting or whatever you do. And we, we look at running the business as less important. So we often don't take time to work on the business or make that a priority, which means getting together and discussing this and, and have it Amen concept, to that. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw so a good case in point is um, at the uh, just before just before New Year, um, I was we were soliciting offers bids for a um, a new line of credit at the practice. We just wanted a line of credit, and we said um, we're going to get a couple of different offers from a couple of different banks. And um, uh, when when we did that. I'm sorry. Apologize there for a second. Uh, so when when we did that, I, I, I apologize. Ed, I just lost my track train of thought. <laughs> we were talking about Nate not taking time to work on the business, and I, I guess you, you know you got interrupted, and that's what happens. But you know, you one and you said you use an example. You said a case in point, and then you start talking about this line of credit you were looking at. Yeah. So uh, we 
we were soliciting uh, offers for a line of credit, and then, you know, we all get the numbers in front of us, and we all look at the numbers and decide uh, which one to go with. Um, gosh, I, and I'm sorry, I had a point that I was going uh, there with that, and I completely uh, lost track of it. I'll, right. I'll come up with it. Right. What, we'll, I'll, do, we'll what I'll do to make it up to you is I'll answer a question that I managed not to answer before. That is, when I came to this practice, what, how was my um, how was my compensation arranged? And I think that this is a, a point that also, I think that this is something that you'll agree with, and it's something that also um, gets sort of ignored or kicked into the corner as we... Um, you know, as we get busy, and that is uh, when I came to this practice, you know, a, a new surgeon um, who doesn't have a following and, and starts out not busy can be a, a huge drain on a practice. It's actually, so, it, I'll say I'll double that because people don't understand that, uh, you know, coming out. They don't understand. It's not like a big multi-specialty group that's making all these facility fees. But to bring someone on is a huge the, – the partners, that is, take a hit for at least six to eight months or more. Um, you know, and, and, and as a result, that is why many practices and, you know, we do included, you know, if we're going to bring you on, we're going to invest in you, we're going to do all this and, and give, float your salary. My advice to my fellows is, you know, expect a non-compete. Um, right, exactly. So, um, the, the way that, um, that my partner, um, structured this is that, um, he had just by virtue of his personality and, and because of the type of guy he is, he had always been involved in uh, local in the leadership in local hospitals. He had been the chief of staff. He had been now he's currently on the, the chairman of the board at local hospitals. He chief of staff a couple of different hospitals around. But the thing is, is when you attain those positions, and they're all volunteer, they're not paid. Right. You don't get compensated for them. They all happen in the evenings. It's, it's time. It's more time. But the thing is, is what you. What you get to know is you know, now you know everybody. You know the administration in the hospital, you know all the doctors because it's going to be your responsibility to go and, and, uh, and talk to one if somebody needs talking to. But by, because he, um, had formed those relationships, he was able to work out, um, a, uh, employment agreement with one of the local hospital, um, uh, sanction, you know, one of, I'm sorry, one of the hospital, um, Corp- you know, the corporation, the HCA, was the one in particular that we used. And uh, what they what they did was is they, um, you know, they they said, okay, well, uh, board certified in ENT, board certified in facial plastic surgery, show that there's a need for an ENT in this particular area. So thus, this hospital, you'll come uh, into the area, you'll work at that practice, and you'll cover ENT call at this hospital uh, for a period of three years. And, uh, and that's how, um, I ended up with a guaranteed salary for my first year that didn't, co- that didn't come out of the practice at all. Now, the thing is, is gosh, that's a sweet, I mean, it's a super soft landing right out of fellowship. Let me, let me tell you. But what that did was, is it, it didn't, it, it wasn't a strain on the practice and it never would have happened. It just never would have happened had he not made those relationships and put in that time over those years uh, by volunteering, you know, in leadership positions. That's why I implore every young surgeon that I meet. It is you don't have to beg those 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 positions those volunteer positions are, are, you know, they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, they ju- they just need somebody to do them, and that's one of the things that those are opportunities well, that pass. You know, it's uh, it's admirable that you understand that because I can tell you, I've, I've 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 listen. I've talked to people on both, you know, senior guys and junior guys, and 
senior guys will complain that, you know, my, my junior partner has no idea what it took to get this practice started. You know, I, I used to, and I sewed lacerations. I was in the ERs. I, I, you know, I had people spitting at me, hating at me, the plastic surgeons trying to run me out of town and they show up and they're busy day one. So, you know, there's, there's always right a different perspective. And so uh, the fact that you appreciate how much work, um, you know, which, and again, my, you know, my, our junior guy here, Slaughter, you know, he's, he's very grateful for having that opportunity, but sometimes if people want to grow too fast and too soon and don't want to pay their dues, you know, that becomes another area of friction, right? Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it really does. Nobody, um, it, it um, well, <laughs> I don't, I, I think that, uh, every, every generation feels like the generation, uh, after them right I doesn't, you know quote unquote doesn't understand right but now the problem <laughs> the um the moment that i'm having right now is gosh that's me now i feel like they don't understand <laughs> right. but but it's it, it, but it's true and and how do you give how do you give somebody perspective it's how hard. do you give them perspective if especially if they're not interested in hearing perspectives mm-hmm. you know what hap- what what do you what do you do with somebody who's acting like history started the day they were born right. you know i i i i i, I struggle with that uh, a little bit myself um sure. you know and um, i think i do think that some life experiences outside of uh what it is that we do to become the professionals that we are i think does help um i think about the residency the residents in my program that had um sort of non-traditional tracks had done other things in their lives seemed to be able to weather residency with a a little bit better uh, than maybe others did and um you know, the, but, but the thing of the training is so long, so many years, it's already so arduous, you know, and, uh, so how, you know, how are we going to, how are you going to take even more time just to, to gain a, a different perspective on life by doing something else? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know, but, uh, it's, um, I, I can say that in, in my case, I, I, again, I'll say it again. I don't, I don't begrudge it. I, I needed that time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I completely agree. So tell me about, um, you know, what are your, what are your goals, you know, the next five years, next 10 years. And, um, you know, for, you know, personally, your, you know, your goals for the practice, how do you see succession working? You know, what's your, you know, kind of your, your big plans, um, moving forward? So my, uh, my primary focus at this as a short term and long term focus, my short term focus at this time is in my, uh, my new associate is, uh, getting her, uh, on her feet. And, um, you know, this first year has been about her getting her name out there, uh, uh, making sure that the referring doctors know she's available, just getting established in the community. Don't worry about trying to do, uh, five cases, uh, every Monday, um, uh, every Monday morning uh, or uh, loading up the OR. Don't worry about it. All right. That we'll worry about that the second year. Just kind of get your feet underneath of you and, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll go from this. So that's my focus is in, is, uh, right now is in her, uh, success because that's, that's going to potentially so what be is, my partner. Is there anything forward. that you're so, kind of giving, you know, giving to her, giving up? Cause this is always something that I think is important to talk about. Oh, I do. Um, I've been blessed to be, uh, busy enough where, you know, I think that if you're going to bring, 
Yeah, that's a, that's the question is when you when do you bring somebody aboard? Because yeah, that's a good question. time, you know. Yeah. So How do I know I'm about, ready? Yeah, you have to be func- You have to be at one hundred and twenty five percent because you have to have something to give them. I mean, especially right. these people. These are these are young, intelligent, hungry surgeons, and if they don't. If they're not, if they don't start off doing something, they'll get bored fast, and uh, and they'll start to cast a wandering eye about because it, you know that's <laughs> like I made this uh, earlier today in the in the opera. I made this uh, this uh, analogy, and that is like if you take a if you take a, a beaver and you take him up to the top of the Empire State Building and just set him down, he's going to look around f- to make a dam. Even though he's on top of a skyscraper, that's what he does. That's yeah. what he does, right? And it doesn't know any difference. So if you take a surgeon and you drop them in the middle of an office, and it could be in West Palm Beach, beautiful overlooking the bay, and and, and, and if they're not going, if they're busy doing the thing that they do, you know, the thing that we do, which scratches that itch in our brains that nothing else can scratch, which is seeing patients operating on people, you know, those things, then, then they're going to be dissatisfied. It's, it's an inevitability. So um, you have to have something to hand off to them. So you have to be not just at 100%, you have to be at 125% when they arrive. So you have something to hand over to them. So what have you handed, um, what have you handed over to your junior? I actually, uh, I made a, a point um, it, because it had been modeled to me by my, uh, by my partner, uh, I said, uh, there's, there's nothing that I'm un, there's nothing that I'm not willing to hand over. So if a patient calls up interested in a rhinoplasty, which is my, my, my personal favorite, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, I said, if they call up and, uh, I, I don't want you just to steer those to me. I, I, uh, Dr. Spelman can do those. So there's, 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 there's nothing that she's, um, sort of not allowed that's not the word there's nothing that i'm i'm sort of protecting for myself saying that this is just for me and i'm and the the reason why is because i want her to know i have her back in the same way that bob hillstrom had my back when i arrived to town and didn't restrict me from anything so uh i think that that's important um you know it may you know it may say you know the thing is is you know we all as business owners, we know which, uh, which you know, what every case, you know, what it is costing you and you know what it generates every hour that it's in the OR. You know, you just, you know, uh, you know what are the, the loss leaders as far as cases, right? So for me to spend an hour doing a, a functional blepharoplasty really doesn't do much for my practice, right? Um, and, and, and hell, if I did it here in my office, at, if I did it in my office, um, it, you know, for for insurance reimbursement, I'd probably lose money on that case. Right. So now the thing is, I could think, well, I could just hand that over to her. She's not doing anything else. She could just do these. But what am I telling her? I'm telling her that she's good enough to do the things that are not worth it for me to do. And that's the wrong I think that's a wrong mindset because this is, I, I don't, I'll tell you, you asked me about my, my goals. A long-term goal is I don't want to be in practice by myself because my partner had been in practice by himself for a long time. I feel like you, you practiced solo for over 10 years before you had a fellowship. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I practiced for 10 years. Well, nine years, 10 years for a fellowship. And then I had, I really took on someone 
uh, it was probably another eight years later. I was 18 years. And I got to tell you, it's a, it's right. a, it's a lonely, so it's, it's a lonely practice. Right. Really. It's lonely and it's tough because you feel like you can't leave, right? How about, am I going to go on vacation? The practice is losing money every day that I'm gone. Right. Um, who's going to take care of these patients while I'm gone? Who's going to see them? Yeah. So that's the thing is he said, uh, one of the best pieces of advice he told me is he said, look, don't, don't practice solo. I've done it. It's tough. It's not necessary. Identify the person who you want to bring aboard um, and eventually partner with and, and, and have a partner because mm-hmm. it takes such a weight off your shoulders. So that's one of my long-term goals is that I, is that I never practice solo. Because, so let me ask you, uh, what, you know, are you thinking about at some point bringing a plastic surgeon in? Uh, at, at this very moment, actually. <laughs> so, so that's the, the next natural question is, okay, well, we probably, you know, we probably got met the quota on facial plastic surgeon movements practice. Um, what is, uh, who is the next, you know, what's that next complementary provider? Like what makes the most sense? Is it a cosmetic dermatologist? Is it a, a Ian, you know, just a, a, is a general ENT doctor? Uh, mm-hmm. is it a, a, a body plastic surgeon? And, um, and, and we've, we considered that, um, pretty, pretty, we were thoughtful about it and decided that, uh, probably a, a body plastic surgeon would be the most complimentary provider to our practice. So that's the next step. So, you know, I'm going to tell you because I know the answer. Years down the road. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is a plastic surgeon. No question. Okay. And, right. uh, and don't waste your time with a dermatologist. I'm just being, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. The numbers don't make sense. And um, I have a lot of friends who are dermatologists, but um, they all come out thinking they're supposed to make a fortune, and they their business models uh, not congruent with ours. And I can right. I can and, quote and a few people. Yeah, yeah. It goes down to philosophy. Again, yeah. Right? So I got yeah, and I had a so a buddy of mine's uh, he's got a couple of facial plastics guys, a plastic guy, and they have like they have a, a derm suite. They slowly added four or five dermatologists. And he tells me it's his biggest fucking excuse me, biggest headache. That he has, uh, you know, dealing with the dermatology prima donnas that he's got in his practice. Right. So, so right. And, and he can't, he, he can't make any money on it. And so what you really want them for is the ability to inject. And, um, let's face it, we've got, you know, I've got a facial plastic surgeon who's my associate and, and, uh, she does an amazing job and there's wonderful nurses out there. So, you know, unless you want to be, uh, you know, scraping and look at stuff at KOH stains and all that stuff, um, it <laughs> probably doesn't make sense. The, the business right. model doesn't make sense, but that's uh, right. So that's not for me. So we've decided that we're going to identify a, uh, a, a body plastic surgeon and, uh, and by that the way, will be the next step. Now this is a, this is like two, be called three general. years down the road. Yeah. yeah. So I, first you of all, start, you're, you're you making a right, about that yeah. now. You're making the right decision, and we've got about we've got about three or four more minutes here because uh, you know people like to hear these things in about forty minutes. So, how will you go about bringing? Because uh, I I know what works bringing a plastic surgeon on. Uh, first of all, they don't, as you know, they don't like to be called body plastic surgeons. Plastic surgeons are they earn the right to be called a plastic surgeon. So I I am very I'm adamant that my staff refers to my partner as a plastic surgeon. Um, even though, you know, my goal is to bring them on and have them so, you know, do plastic surgery or do body plastic. So how strategically are you going to do that? And what do you think? Because I had a failure once, you know, and I think I know right. I learned a lot from that. We learned by our failures. Right. So what do you think will be the success? And maybe I can leave you with something, you know, as a thank you for because I can tell you that what I believe are the pearls to bringing someone on. 
Right. Yes. But I so, can leave um, you with some pearls, maybe. So, what do you, what do you think it's going to look like, and 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 you know, and why, and um, what do you think is going to make it successful? Yeah. So uh, I had a failure myself. Um, two and a half, three years ago, um, we brought on a plastic surgeon, and uh, you know, it just it just didn't work out, and uh, and and that's okay, you know, because. Uh, you can't have the expectation that everything's going to go swimmingly all the time, but we identified that it was not going to work out early and we were able to go ahead and maneuver and just take the necessary steps to identify the next person. At that point we decided, Oh, well I'm going to to go with what I know. And that's another facial plastic surgeon. Um, That's right. And that, that, and so, and he, and and when she becomes, if and when she becomes partner, then, um, then my partner will become an employee of the practice and, uh, he'll kind of slowly phase out because, you know, he's, he's done well and invested well and he's worked hard and he could retire tomorrow. But the thing is he doesn't want to walk away from the practice and watch it flounder because, so I still, I still really need him for his business acumen because I'm I'm not going to presume that I'm the uh, businessman here. So we'll keep him around for a little while longer, but, if I could, you know, if you could just envision, if you could create, um, you know, sort of a Captain America style, you know, way, the perfect, uh, the perfect plastic surgeon, it would be, you know, somebody who doesn't compete with you internally. So if they're interested solely in procedures and in surgeries below the collarbones, hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, they, you know, we facial plastic surgeons are fairly, particular about how things look up some that's not always the case otherwise um so if they're, if they're meticulously about uh, detail as far as uh, uh how how uh how their closures look how that even the dressing looks because that's how your patient's going to grade you uh things like that you can't presume that that somebody really has a mind to that and uh gosh the the best thing would be is if, if you could identify somebody that is um, that already has it is already established. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if they're a known quantity, then that erases a lot of the question marks. I, I agree. That, that would be ideal. Unfortunately, it's not always the case. So let me tell you a couple of lessons on that. First of all, my first one that I failed with, I wanted it too much. Um, and I, and, 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 and I was, I, because I realized some of the benefits that, you know, you've got a busy facial plastic surgeon by, by nature, there's less facial plastic surgeon than body work. And I, you know, you can support and you don't want to lose patients and all that other stuff going to people across town. But, um, I think I was too eager. Um, and I was able, I was willing to make concessions I wouldn't normally make. So that's the first thing. Um, you can't, you can't, it's like hiring, you know, employees, you, you really have to find someone that's going to be part of your culture Two, What I did, you have to have something to offer them. Meaning, um, you know, you have to have enough, a big enough practice and enough things that they can walk in and be busy day one and they're not having to go out and take all that risk. Kind of like when you, you know, joined, you know, your, your right. partner, um, we have operating rooms. We have all these things that, it, gosh, it's, it, it'd be daunting to try to do that. And yet if somebody comes and joins us, um, we can offer them that. And what I told my partners is this, it, and also helping, um, uh, educate them from a mindset point of view. So here's what I said to my partner. It's, it's held. I said, look, you know, if you can step back and put on, you know, from a, from a business point of view, a business mindset point of view, you'll generate more revenue and it'll be more gratifying if you become really good at, you know, tummy tucks and, and then you do ditto and ditto and ditto. And people who are doing insurance type, 
realize this, you know, you got to look up different CPT codes. You've got to, you know, hit the meaningful use nonsense and ICD-9s, and they're all different. If you're doing the same thing over and over and over, you're going to generate a lot more revenue and build a much bigger reputation. Uh, and if you can get your head around that, because let's face it, you can do a facelift. But if you can get your head around that and realize it's not like, oh, you can't do face, you know, you're going to do a lot better. And, and you know, if that person is willing to accept that, plus the fact is, and this is what I said too, what I have is not broken. Okay. I'm not willing to break something, but if you can join and benefit from that, we both win. And, you know, and if you get a feel that, that culturally that person is going to accept it, you have a much higher uh, chance of, of success. Um, does that make sense? Those are all very wise words. Yeah. I, I said, you know, moving forward. Um, and I said, moving forward, um, if if you're not happy, well, first of all, uh, everything I do is going to be based on what I believe makes good business sense and is fair. And if you trust me, you know, if you trust me to do that, uh, I will always, you know, have your back. If there gets to be a point where you are not happy with that, um, you know, you can either one take the non compete and go anywhere on the planet other than the you know thirty miles in a couple of years um, anywhere on the planet or you can buy my stock and I'll be going so fast, but I'm not going to let somebody, cra- I'm not going to let someone crash and burn the ship because I worked too hard to build it. You know, and, and, and I think you can have those frank and honest conversations. And, you know, the first hour, my partner and I talked about risk, you know, people don't understand risk, but until you've been burned a few times and, um, you know, risk is, risk is why our business buddies get paid so well because, you know, taking risk and losing sleep and that kind of stuff. So That's right. But, it's, it's a science to them. It's not a, you know, it's, it's less esoteric. They study. They yeah. study risk. They understand it. Yeah. So, listen, Harry, we've we've run out of time. I really appreciate you sharing this stuff. Um, hey, it was great I, to talk As you know, you I, I, you know, I love it, teaching the next generation and helping them, and hopefully we can uh, provide a little value. Um, Harry, do you I mean do you mind just sharing your email if, if people have some questions? No, not at all. It's uh, Doctor uh, Wright at Gmail dot com. So Dr. Wright at Gmail dot com. Feel free to email me uh, any questions, any any uh, concerns that you may have. Um, if you're interested, you know, in anything, if you want to know how to grow tomatoes, or there if you're you interested now <laughs> and how, how the best way to feed a cow, yeah, <laughs> then maybe I'll refer you over to Doctor. All right. Hey, listen, awesome, buddy. We're gonna see. I'll see you at the next meeting, whenever that's gonna be. No, I can't wait. And, for uh, uh, I'm so looking forward to we'll, it. Thank we'll you get for the this. Again. No, thank you so much for sharing your your frank and honest thoughts, and um, we'll get this launched within a week or so. Fantastic. All right, Take Harry. Care now. Enjoy the evening. Night. Yep. Bye bye.